What's going on, Gator Nation? Welcome into the Week 9 episode of the We Are The Boys podcast. Coming off of maybe one of the weirdest bye weeks of all time. Definitely one of the weirdest bye weeks in recent memory uh, in Gator Nation. Um, Very strange. Right, and (laughs) and not a good kind of weird, not a fun kind of weird. No. Uh, (laughs) More more negativity, um, more things going on that are just not fun and are just sort of adding on to the the garbage heap that has been this year um, where it's it's been not very fun to be a Gator fan this year. There have been small flashes of fun, and that's about it. Um, certainly much less fun than it's been the past two years, despite the fact that it's not like we had stellar offenses in the past two years, but we were at least winning games, and we were, uh, you know, we were striving for berths to Atlanta, at least berths to the SEC championship game. This yep. year, that seems like a pipe dream, even though it still seems mathematically possible. So now I think all of Gator Nation is sort of collectively trying to to find something to have fun with, something to, to get us to, through the rest of this year, to latch on to, to find some positivity. But it's hard to come by right now. Yeah, it's uh, there's not much going on. Um, I mean, I'm officially off the Mac train, so the sooner that we can get him out, the better, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, Keenan's on the Keenan's on fire, Mac. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, defini- I was I, I'm definitely unloading like my a, Mac stock. I'm I've gone from bullish to uh, what is it? What's the opposite? Bearish. Of that? Bearish. Bearish. Yeah. I've gone to bearish. Uh, I'm unloading my stock. I'm just hitting the sell button. Um. You know, I'm not a hundred percent to fire yet, but my reasons for not being there are are not they're weak, self admittedly. Um, so, yeah, it's not a good state yeah, right mean, now. It's I wasn't huge on him before the season, you know, and then we kind of had the magic of Tennessee, and it was like, well, you know, he has gone to Atlanta. You know, I, I kind of fell into that a little the bit. The recruiting momentum was gut. huge. Yeah, the recruiting momentum, and I kind of ignored my gut feeling that it has been all along, is like, guy is just a beta male, not an alpha, he's not a, he has zero killer instinct, and that's fine, but that's not what we need at Florida, and then to top it all off, he goes and does the whole thing with the the death threats in the press conference and it's just like he doesn't even want to be here anymore he looks disinterested his body language is terrible right so, and once you're kind of going to gone. war with the fan base you're in a really bad place um yeah exactly i mean it's exactly what happened with will with will muschamp right before you know we canned him with the fnb you know fuck non-believers he, that's kind of what happens um so i and the reason I want him gone now is I don't see how he comes back from this, you know? Um, I mean, I guess really the only way he comes back from it is if we go and win out the rest of the season and look very impressive, right? which I don't see happening. Something has to happen (laughs) the remainder of this year for him to get some of his swagger back, to to get some confidence back, and to, to have some sort of positive momentum rolling into next year when by all accounts it does look like he will get a huge influx of talent he will get some big pieces but um you know the flip side of that is 
one, I'm a big believer, and, and it comes from the mouth of the best coach in college football right now and maybe the best to ever do it in Nick Saban, which is um, if, you're, if you're scared to do something that needs to be done because of recruiting, that's not a good reason. Um, you know, yeah. The, all the recruits can come in in the world, and if it's not the right guy leading the way, that's that's not going to solve your yeah. problems. Recruits need to be developed. They need leadership. They think, need the right culture. And right now, it seems like a it seems like the state of the locker room, the state of the culture of UF football, um, the 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 dynamic within the staff, none of it seems good. And when you when you're the yeah. the face of the Florida Gator brand in terms of football, which let's face it, that is absolutely the premier component of the Florida Gator athletic brand. And you don't know better than to walk mm-hmm. into a press conference and, and do what McElwain did, where he clearly got a very stern talking to because he had to walk it back at about 100 miles an hour in the yeah. SEC teleconference. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had, to, he had to cater to the fan base, which he had basically put on blast for, for, for the undocumented actions of what I would imagine is just a few trolls on the Internet where you basically now go to war with the whole fan sure. base. Um, it's not good, yep. and it, there's no sugarcoating it. There's no way to put positive spin on it. Right now, it's really bad. The only thing we can hope for is mm-hmm. if you're someone who is still clinging to some hope that Matt can be the guy to right the ship, is that over the course of the next couple of weeks, you know, we we find some mojo, we, we get something going, right, that's enough to keep this recruiting class together and to get those guys in here, and you hope yeah. that – we go into next season with a full cupboard, stocked at every position, you know, avoid the the suspensions yeah. issues, more depth to, to handle injuries, more competition at quarterback to finally find the right guy. But, you know, if it's still Mac and it's still Nuss and it's still Greg Nord, um, the confidence level that no matter how talented we are in recruiting, that they're going to come in and, and be given the tools to succeed from the coaches who need to give those tools to them becomes hard to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, you know, you look at the recruiting class and there's so much talent there that you're right. You're like, if we can just make it through this season, get to a bowl game, you know, keep this recruiting class together, then next year it all could be better. But my argument to that is this staff has not shown over three years that they are able to put their best players on the field and get the ball to their best playmakers. It almost seems that we find out who our best players are once injuries yep. happen or once suspensions happen. You know, look at look at this year. Davis would not have touched the ball. And, and granted, we would have had Scarlett, but, you know, he's definitely a better player than Pirine, um, you know, but he probably wouldn't have seen that much playing time had Scarlett been on the field. Uh, you look at McCoy at center last year. You look at... Um, Tony this year, Dre Massey, you know, those guys aren't getting touches. Dre Massey got one or two touches against A&M, got a touchdown, and then didn't touch the ball again after scoring a touchdown. You know, it doesn't help if you have playmakers if you don't use them. Yep. So, and if we're, if we're briefly touching on the A&M game, that, another thing that points to some, a complaint we've had all year about um, kind of the, the in-game diagnosis on offense you yep. run, you run a, an end around to Dre Massey. He scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I was at the game, and 
if my memory serves because I talked about this immediately after the game, we never even presented an end around look to the defense the rest of the game. So you've beaten them on it, you've scored on it, and now you don't even put him in motion to show right. the threat, right? To get yeah. the defense moving laterally and maybe go the other way with a with a slant or something like that. So yeah. it's uh, those kinds of things are troubling, and that's why I'm fully on the fire Nuss, fire Nord train. Yeah. Um, well, I mean that. That shouldn't even be a train. Right. That there should, should be, be almost given. no debate about that. And then yeah, Mac, if, if that, Mac saving if grace that might happen. be a couple wins. If, if he can somehow pull off a miracle against Georgia, that's obviously huge. But even mm-hmm. if he can't, no one's really expecting it. But if he can beat Florida State, win the games he's supposed to win the rest of the way and make a bowl game, um, mm-hmm. then I don't think whether you want him to or not, I think he stays. And yeah. and then you you hope that the right coordinators come in and that this batch of recruits um, puts him over the top and gives him that sort of Dabo moment where he gets over the top and gets into that upper echelon of coaches. But yeah. as of right now, it's tough to see. And I do think that even if I'm not fully on the fire Mac train, I do hope that the athletic department has the mindset of, if things happen and there's a guy that you know you can go after and get and it's a guy that you believe in and it's either you're going to get him this year or he's going to go somewhere else, don't be yeah. afraid to pull the trigger. If it's a Gundy or a Scott Frost or yeah. um, the offensive coordinator at West Virginia, his name is escaping me at the moment, um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a guy, head coach of Washington maybe, although I'm not sure why he'd leave because Washington's a really good football team right now. But if any of those yeah. guys are on the market and they're all going to end up elsewhere and this is your shot to get them, um, right. you've got to at least have, have an open mind to it. So, Yeah, I mean, I think I look back to, you know, the year we didn't make, we went 4-8 and eight with uh, Muschamp, um, you know, and a lot of boosters and fans at that point you know kind of realized maybe he wasn't going to be the guy and franklin was available you know yep um we we passed on i mean i don't know if we ever talked to franklin or not but we we didn't fire Muschamp. we were like we'll give him one more year and we miss out on franklin and i say miss out as you know, we didn't go after right. him. You know, no one knows Which, whether or not we would have gotten him. But you would, you would think, think we'd have Franklin, a very real chance, especially with him already having been in the SEC. Exactly. So you you think that we would have uh, would have had a pretty good shot with him if we really wanted him. Um, and now he's got you know Penn State playing great football. They're the number what two team in the country. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, front runner for the Heisman. Sh- right, front runner for the Heisman. I mean. And they're not too far off that death sentence. You know, he took over that program right after the sanctions or maybe even there were sanctions his first year. Um, so he's, he's got the program buzzing. And you'd hate to see a situation where there are some good coaches that we can make runs at this year. Um, and there are some coaches that will be at better programs after this season that, you know, maybe we would want, you know, Frost comes to mind as one um, you know, granted, I think Franklin's pedigree is, was better than Frost's is, you know, UCF looks great. They're putting up points, but it is UCF. The competition isn't near what Vandy plays. Yep. Um, I personally would maybe be more on board with a Mike Gundy type, you know, that Agreed. he's, 
been around. He's had success. He's always had exciting offenses, and he's got a really good Oklahoma State yep. team and a great head of um, hair, you know, and, and yeah, and, and a great mullet to to boot. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky situation because, you know, if next year goes bad and we pass on all these coaches, you know, who who's left at that yep. point? Um, it's, it's a dice roll for yeah. sure. It's a dice roll either way. Yeah. Um, it's it's a position we were all hoping we would not be in at the beginning of the year. I don't think it's a position a lot of people believe we would be in. I think the optimism was was pretty infectious mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year, and unfortunately, it's been dashed. You know, pretty much halfway through the year, a little more now, but um, you know, it, it hasn't been there yeah. for a while, and um, it doesn't look like things are gonna get much better for Gator football in the immediate future. So we all kind of need to strap in for some more a difficult road ahead that's going to continue. Um, yeah. Some positives as we head into the game. Um, word comes out today that a lot of the guys who have been suspended all year due to the credit card scandal are apparently going to get off fairly easy with pretrial intervention. I'm not sure that it's mm-hmm. really great news. I mean, um, Scarlett yeah, and Callaway I mean, I are don't still think gone. Any of those guys are going to play. Um, you know, right. maybe some of the younger guys we we get them back for next year and they help build up the depth. But you know, who knows? The 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 brighter spots are that it, Tony uh, Kadarius Tony and Tyreek Leland are both listed as probable, which should mean they're yeah. going to go. So, yeah. um, two of our biggest weapons. Um, and again, we've kind of talked about this where what we call a weapon is like you know. At this point, it's kind of sad because statistically, it, it's just guys who we've seen flashes of potential from, not guys who have put up any right. kind of sort of proven numbers or proven track record. But it's what we've got yeah. at the moment. So it's it's guys that you put in any other offense. They right. are with some stability and all that numbers. kind of stuff. But um, yeah. So with that. Um, no high five, low five, no five, because we're not going to rehash the Texas A&M game from several weeks ago. We've uh, that ship has long sailed. So we're yeah. going to touch on uh, a, f- a few different points. We're going to do it in a true and false format, where I'm going to present Keenan with a couple true and false questions regarding the Georgia game, and he's going to do the same to me. It'll sort of serve as some some prediction, uh, you know part of this and, and yeah, prediction materials right, kind of having to take a stand program and forecast measurable right. that when we when we recap the game next week we can see how we performed how spot on our analysis was but um would like you like it. to go first or second would you like to answer first or ask first uh, that's well it depends on if you want to do good news or bad news first because my mine are as as those of you that are listening can probably tell I am not real high on the Gators right now. I don't have really any good things to say. Um, so why don't we get the bad news out of the way first, and maybe we can okay. end with yours. Even so though you'll pro- even if I have any positives, you'll probably just say false. So it'll probably be negative all around. But that's, go ahead. That's true. But <laughs> but at least at least we'll get these ones out of the way. Um, so my first my first true or false is Massey and Tony will combine for under four touches in the entire game false i just can't can't believe it with a bye week (laughs) with a bye week to prepare i mean Kadarius tony should be getting two to three touches on the opening drive um (laughs) i know he should should be there should there should be (laughs) 
a drive in the first quarter where there's a significant time spent with him running the Wildcat. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to say false, and I'm going to take it a step further and say that Kadarius Tony by himself will get more than four touches. Anything Dre Massey okay. gets will be like a cherry on top. So false for me on that one. Okay. All right, I'm writing, I'm writing that down. More than four touches for Tony himself. Okay. Uh, my next one. The offense will not score a touchdown. True or false? This is a tough one. Um, Georgia, <laughs> which tells you right. All Georgia you need. allows twelve point six points per game. They're fourth in the country. Um, so that's not encouraging. No, <laughs> Combined not. with uh, our anemic <laughs> offense, it's not encouraging. But I think the run game is too good on our end that if we get inside mm-hmm. the 20 we've got a, the the percentages that we score a touchdown are high for me if we get if we get inside the 20 yeah. which I think will happen at least once so okay I will say false with the caveat right. that I won't be surprised if we score exactly one touchdown but I think we score greater than zero. <laughs> okay. I, I will say that the past two Georgia games that we've beaten them, um, we have really run the, the ball past three. all over them. Um, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a second. Three, I've yeah, got some stuff lined up for back, that. I, you, okay, great. So, yeah, I mean, if there is anything I'm kind of positive on this year, it has been our running game. Our running game has looked good. Um, you know, Davis is great. P. Ryan is basically a touchdown machine in the red zone, like you said. So, um, you know, if there is any silver lining, that's that's it. Um, my last one, and this one is really depressing to look at. Uh, true or false, Uga is going to hang 40 points or more on us. Um, well, they average 37.6 points for per game. <laughs> So I guess the question is, okay. do I think the Gators' defense is a field goal worse than the field or, you know, maybe a field goal better than the field? And by the field, I mean everybody else that UGA has played so mm-hmm. far. Um, right. I'm going to say false because... Okay. Freshman quarterback, Jake Fromm, he's been he's been good, but he's had a mm-hmm. ton of help from um, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, obviously. And so yep. I think that Marco Wilson, CJ Henderson, Duke Dawson uh, will do well against them. They've got um, they've got two good mm-hmm. threats in Terry Godwin and I'm blanking on the other one. I've got it written down. Yeah, Javon, Javon Wims. Wims. Um, they've got guys, but I think um, Marco and CJ will match up well against them. Um, they've been doing well all year. Marco Wilson's uh, like completion mm-hmm. percentage against is crazy. Um, oh yeah, I think he's top three. In the SEC, or maybe even yeah, the best. he's up there. He's definitely so like I, I don't worry SEC. about he's that. True um, and I, I just have to believe that with the bye week, with rest, with most of our linebackers 
all being healthy, I believe. Let me briefly look at the mm-hmm. injury chart. I don't think there was any. Yeah, I don't see. Uh, I mean, Jeremiah report. Moon is probable, but he's not even one of your top three linebackers. Mm-hmm. So, I right. think that Georgia will be able to run the ball, but my my hope is that coming off rest with guys healthy, it shouldn't be a dominant performance, which I, I think is what you would need out of that. You would you need either Jake Fromm or the running game to dominate you if you're going to get to 40 points. Um, so I, I yeah. don't think they'll hang 40 on us. That doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily okay. mean I think we'll win. That doesn't mean I don't think that they'll hang 35 on us, <laughs> but I just don't think they'll get to 40, especially right. if... Well, I mean, if they get to... If they get to like twenty one, right? Especially if it's, it's a scenario where they're <laughs> so. up twenty eight to ten, you know, with a quarter and a right. half left. I don't think with a freshman quarterback they take too many more shots. So, they risk it. That's true. Yeah, they 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 don't have to put up a lot of points right. to beat us. So so right, no, I'm going to go false on the forty. That doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. a good thing because I don't think it's going to take forty points to beat right. us. But um, right, I don't think they get forty. All right, okay. so we'll see how I do against those here of mine. Um, doubt that anything positive will come out of this, but uh, we'll get you on the record, and hopefully you'll be happy to be proven wrong if it, if it ends up happening. Yeah, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and take my uh, shirtless Spurrier approach here on this. First question. Um, this is getting into the Nord department the guy who's apparently our special teams coordinator, mm-hmm. who I'm not sure how he has a job. I know that they say <laughs> that everyone's involved in special teams, but whatever it is, it's been atrocious. And uh, Pat Dooley loves to talk about mm-hmm. how Urban Meyer uh, made special teams an enormous priority, and it was almost an honor to play special teams. Special teams ate mm-hmm. first at team dinners. Um, special teams was not the forgotten yep. group. It was not the the proving ground group top guys played special teams that's why you had percy harvin playing special teams yeah everyone wanted to top guys who were starters elsewhere on the roster playing special teams because it's a it's a huge part of the game you've got three Mm -hmm. phases and that's one of the three phases um and so for our special teams to have been as bad as it's been despite having two of the best specialists in the country when you talk about our punter and our kicker um it's atrocious Mm -hmm. so uh with that round of encouragement, yeah. here's your question. The Gators will break <laughs> double digits in total punt return yards. That means they have to just get 10 or more. <laughs> oh. Which I think has been hard to come by this year for us. I haven't looked. But, I mean, it's, it's almost well, in- inevitably it, a Brandon Powell fair catch or a Brandon Powell bobble the ball and fall down. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's I, we seem to just fair catch everything, even if there's a little bit of room. You know, I miss, and this is going back a ways now, but it's when I went to school at Florida, you know, I miss Brandon James. That guy had zero fear. You know, there could be a guy right in front of him. He'd catch the ball, move right. inside, got to miss. It's got to be our protection to the house. scheme, because even with Antonio Callaway, the punt return was always a threat. We would get some yards. I just don't, we just can't protect mm-hmm. i guess yeah we can't yeah. keep the gunners upfield long enough for us to to get a return going yeah i don't know i don't know what it is um and you think with the guys that we have with tony powell 
Massey, you know, one of those guys should be able to be electric on the on the punt return, but for some reason it's it's not happening this year. So I'm gonna. Ha- okay. I'm gonna there's two reasons why I'm gonna go true with that. One, it really hasn't happened all year. Two, I don't think George is going to be punting that much. <laughs> Wait. The so, question is that so the Gators true. will break double digits in total punt return yards. Are you saying true or false? Okay. Right. False. Right. Oh, no. False. Sorry. All right. So they false for that one. Yep. Okay. Second question. The Gators false defense for will one. force more than one turnover. See, I'm going to go true on this one. It's we've been we've been okay. turn we haven't really had any since game two right, um, right, and our defense is good and here's the thing, freshman quarterback, our corners are really good our secondary is really good I think we get at least one pick maybe two on him. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll take it I'll take it a step further I say we get at least two interceptions. I, I like our cornerbacks. That's if there's one real positive aspect of the team that I'm really excited about, it's those two freshman corners. Okay, and I'm trying to find our total turnover stats for the year. Um, like just total number. Let's see. Yeah, just total yeah, number. Me... I don't. I'm not sure we've recovered a fumble all year. Um. Let me on defense. That's a good question. Uh, where's turnover margin or turnovers gained? Here we go. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming we're on the very last page for fumble recoveries. No. I think I've got it right here. Do you? On the, on the year, defensive interceptions. David Reese has mm-hmm. one. Duke Dawson has two. C.J. Henderson has two. Jawan Taylor. Yeah, Jawan Taylor, the safety. Sorry, I was confused for a second. Jawan Taylor has one. And... Uh, I think that's it. Marco Wilson actually doesn't have yeah. one. He's got seven passes defended, but he doesn't have a pick. So that's four one, interceptions. Three, five, six. We have six interceptions. Huh? Six interceptions. One forced fumble. No recovered. fumbles yep. recovered. So we've got six turnovers. Yep. We're three and three. We average one turnover a game. So basically, the question is: Will we exceed our average yep. for this game? I think. I think we get two. We will. I think we get two interceptions. Okay, so you're going true. true. Gators defense will force more than one yep. turnover. Uh, just a little bonus question: Do you think either of them will go for points? <sighs> Pick six or a scoop and why score? Why not? We need. We're gonna need. Yeah? We're gonna need it. So why not? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. True, and one will go for yep. points. Okay. The last question. Malik Davis will rush for over 120 yards and 
Felipe Franks will throw for over 120 yards. That's a big false. <laughs> <laughs> false. Okay. Wow. Uh, I'm guessing that's complete lack of faith in the passing game, yep. even though it's only 120 yeah, yards. Yeah, it's not that many yards, but it's a complete <laughs> lack of faith in the passing game. I think if when when you were asking the question and you said that, I was like, man, I'm going to go two trues in a row. But then you, you added that caveat with the passing game, and it completely flipped my mentality. You know, I think it's definitely possible that Malik Davis could rush for over 120 yards, um, especially because, like we said, We've seemed to really get the running game going against Georgia the last couple of years, and it's been one of the strongest points uh, of the offense. Um, but, you know, until Franks has a really good game and shows me something, I just don't have any faith in him. So, false. Here's the sad part is that if you compute Franks's yards per game average, mm-hmm. now granted – there's been time on the bench. You know, it's not like he was starting every single game. Right. But just to get a, a, a figure, his yards per game average, so he's thrown for 794 yards this year. Mm-hmm. Six games played, 132.3 yards per game. <laughs> so my 120-yard number, even though I kind of pulled it out of my butt, was not that far-fetched. Right. And so, yeah, basically, you have to th- you have to ask yourself, will Felipe Franks perform at about his average level, mm-hmm. which against what has proven to be a stout Georgia defense, yeah, um, I don't think so. To say no is not that far fetched, yeah. Unfortunately. Okay, so we've got it marked down. You will say no to that, and it's because you don't believe Felipe Franks will throw for over 120 yards, or do you not believe right. either will happen? I, I will say that Davis goes for over 120 on the ground. Okay. But So it's a no because it's a of no Felipe. because of Felipe Franks. Okay, got it. All right. Well, that takes us right into the, the UGA preview yep. portion of the podcast. Um so we don't really have to intro Georgia. They're the number three team in the country. They're seven and zero. They lose their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, Jacob Eason. I think he had attempted seven passes, and in comes Jake Fromm, true freshman. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, he's got a really strong team around him. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle are obviously carrying a lot of that workload. Yep. Um, but Fromm's doing his part. Um, let me see if I can pull up their team stats. So Fromm has already thrown for over a thousand yards, <laughs> seventy-five completions on one hundred twenty-one attempts. Yeah, uh, nine point six yards per attempt, a QB rating of one hundred and seventy. Twelve TDs to three interceptions, whereas I believe Felipe is at three and three. Yeah. Um, despite having. Uh, being in a, the system for 20 a months. comparable number of com- of completions and attempts. Felipe is at uh, 67 completions on 105 attempts. So, you know, it, it, he's not that far off to justify a nine touchdown difference between the two. Yeah. And other other than that are I mean, we've thrown for four touchdowns all year, I think. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. So it's bad. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, Fromm has more touchdowns himself than our entire offense, right? 
Fromm's passed um, more. That could very well be Fromm's possible. Passed, I haven't done the math on it, I'm, but it could be close. Well, it, well, if we've um, only thrown, well, yeah, thrown Russia. Yeah, I mean, it's probably close. And Nick Chubb averaging over six yards a carry. Sony Michelle averaging over seven yards a carry. Nick Chubb eight touchdowns rushing. Sony Michelle six touchdowns rushing. Yeah. Um, and then you look at their receivers: Javon Wims and Terry Godwin, both over three hundred yards receiving on the year. Terry Godwin with five touchdowns. He scored one against us last year. Javon Wims with two touchdowns. Um, they've got guys making plays, and they're just a very well-balanced team all around. That's that's how they've gotten to be the number three team in the country. That's how they've gotten to 7-0. and um, So the Gators have their work cut out for them, no question. Now, if we're looking at it from the Gators side of things, here's the first little glimmer of hope I'm going to throw out at you. It's completely not based in stats or in any kind of X's and O's whatsoever. All I'm going to say is Georgia was an, is the number three team in the country. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time we played a team that was number three in the country, it was Ole Miss in 2015. I haven't backed that up. I haven't looked through every game since then. Right. But they're the only two that stand out in my mind as number three specifically. So I'm just going to put that out there. We remember what happened with Ole Miss in 2015. We do. <laughs> That's, sometimes, yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to grasp at straws. I mean, we have been calling, we, or we, we were calling him Magic Mac after the first couple of games. So, you know, maybe he pulls another rabbit out of the hat. Uh, Bye week, guys getting healthy, a lot of time to game plan. He might know Kirby's defense better than a lot of the other defenses he's been playing against. That's true. I mean, they did go up against each other um, in practice a lot. So yeah, so it's it's possible. Um, there's there's a straw to grasp at for you guys. There's yeah, I mean, you know, anything can happen. There there is that. Uh, but beyond that, I'll dive right into. I'll go ahead and take the shirtless Spurrier portion of today's. There you go. Shirtless spiking segment. I'm gonna try to bring a little bit of positivity to you guys, and I'm just gonna recap the recent history of Florida Georgia since Will Muschamp got that monkey off his back as he so eloquently put in the post-game press conference um, <laughs> shortly before being fired a few weeks later, I think. <laughs> yeah. But he did. He, he, got a, he got the one victory over Georgia, gave me at least one win in my time as a student, which I appreciated. So let's go back to 2014 and walk it through up to where we're at now. 2014, unranked Florida team versus a number 11 Georgia team. Mm-hmm. All right. Gators get the win. I believe it was... 38-20. I don't have the score in front of me, but that sounds correct. Sure. Let me... I'll pull it up real quick. UFUGA 2014, because I had it up earlier. But anyone who's been on ESPN's site before uh, knows it makes noise, and I try to close out of it as quickly as possible. Right. 38-20. Okay. 38-20, 2014. UF rushed for 418 (laughs) yards. (laughs) Yeah. Kelvin Taylor rushed for 197. Matt Jones rushed for 192. So we had two backs go for almost 200 yards. UGA as a team rushed for 141. Yeah. Okay. The following year, Florida comes in ranked number 11. Georgia comes in unranked. Mm -hmm. Let's pull up the score. Halloween game. I remember I was dressed as a Gator dad. It was a great time. (laughs) Gators win 27-3. to Mm -hmm. All right. Rush for 258. 
Kelvin Taylor yep. for 121, Jordan Scarlett for 96. Mm-hmm. So it's not two backs going for almost 200, but it's two backs going for about 100 if you average them out, 100 each. Yep. UGA as a team rushed for 69. Giggity. Hey All right. 2016, let's pull up the score. Now, mind you, 2016, these numbers aren't going to sound as impressive, but it was just a really bad offensive game all around. All right? 2016, um, I'm not sure. We must have been ranked because we were 6-1. So I didn't write that down. I'm sure but we were ranked. Georgia might not have been ranked. They were four and four mm-hmm. at the time or something. Yeah, they had um, a very similar season to ours this year, right. last year. So um UF actually only rushed for a hundred yards total. Wow. But Georgia only rushed for twenty one. Mm-hmm. The fewest in series history. But they were without Chubb last year, right? Um, no, I believe he played. I believe he came back from injury. Okay. Um, it was either Chubb or Sony Michelle. I'm not sure. Yeah, but one of them was her. Jordan Scarlett rushed for 93. LaMichael Pirine rushed for 33. Mm-hmm. So although no, neither of those stats is impressive on its own, when you compare it to Georgia in that same game, significantly better. Mm-hmm. So the point I'm trying to make is there's been a consistent recipe for Florida the past three years. Yeah. Right. The recipe has been be significantly better than Georgia at rushing the ball. It doesn't even mean you need to be great at rushing the ball as evidenced in last year's stat line. It just means you have to be significantly better than Georgia at it. Right. 100 versus 21, 258 versus 69, 418 versus 141. Yeah. The last three years, and it's always been a two-headed monster. Mm Mm-hmm we have been significantly better than Georgia at rushing the ball. If we can continue that, which I think there can be some hope for when you mm-hmm. talk about Malik Davis and the Michael Pirine with the X factors of Kadarius Tony and Dre Massey, right. there can be some hope that we can run the ball on this Georgia defense. The question then becomes, how much has Florida's uh, defensive front progressed Linebackers are healthy. D-line should be rested. They should be well coached with a bye week. Mm-hmm. Can we contain Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, which we've done in the past three years? Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've done a good job against Georgia, even though in those years they've had good running backs who have run well against other teams. We've done a good job of containing them, especially relative to our guys. Yeah. So if you're, taking, if you're taking a positive spin approach, if you're, if you're trying to find something that gives you some hope, is that for three years, we've had a very consistent recipe, and we've made it happen every time, and we do have the tools to perhaps do it again this year. So that's, that's my, my offering of hope to Gator Nation is arrested Malik Davis and arrested the Michael P. Ryan, arrested offensive line that has progressed every week. They've probably been one of the lone units that has done that. Um, mm-hmm. If they win the rushing battle, that's been the recipe for success. I think that should give you some hope. I love that that's the take you took because you just ran right into my spike and spurrier. No pun intended on the you just ran right into my spike and spurrier. Here's 
the problem I have with that train of thought. Those defenses you were talking about that held Georgia to those few rushing yards and, and those terrible rushing performances, sure, those are all Will Muschamp's defenses. True. There's, I don't think anyone can argue that when Muschamp was the coach at Florida, our defense was lights out. I mean, we, we may have had a top 10 defense every year he was here. And then the two years after he left with his players. Um, this defense this year is not a Will Muschamp defense. Um, we have some, some good players. Like I said, the, the corners are really good. We, what really gets you success against the running game is quality depth. And we do not have that at the linebacker position. Um, because what happens is game goes on, guys get tired, they miss tackles. Um, and, and plays go for big chunks of yards. And we've seen that happen this year over and over again. Guys miss tackles, um, and you know something that should be a two-yard gain turns into a 10, 15-yard run. True. Um, so as much as I like to think, yes, there is a recipe out there to beat Georgia, and we do have a very good running attack. Um, my my, my uh, spike and take and my you know shoot, you know, we just... It's not not their fault. It's our fault for putting them in there. Take is coach didn't recruit the right guys. You know he played for two years with with Will Muschamp's guys, and a lot of those guys are playing on Sundays now. Um, and I I don't think, and I mean you can look at the numbers. You know this defense this year is not anywhere close to the defenses we've had in the past against Georgia. So that's true. I don't look at the linebacker position and see Alex Anzalone. Jared Davis, Antonio Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like David Reese a lot, like Voshan Joseph a lot, like Kylan Johnson a lot. Don't think mm-hmm. they've uh, gotten themselves into that echelon yet. Right. And then the, the other issue is, you know, behind them, there's, there's no one. You know, yep. we got a, a guy in Garcia who, you know, great guy, good character guy, walk on, got his scholarship, but you know, he's not an SEC caliber linebacker and he shouldn't be starting or or really seeing significant minutes in the SEC. But that's what we have to go with because we just don't have talent back there. And I mean, even, you know, uh, David Reese was a three-star and he's playing above that level, but we don't have any five-star talent uh, at the linebacker position. And, you know, eventually that's going to come back to get you. And I think this game is the game that it does come back to, to bite us. Okay. So basically, if if UGA is able to get past the front four, mm-hmm. it's going to spell trouble. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, on that cheery note, which is basically <laughs> that the Gators are going to get run roughshod over for four quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. How's your prediction looking this week there, Keenan? Well, eh, it's not good. Not good. Uh, I'm going 41 to 10, Georgia. Wow. Okay. So, And I think this might be the first time I've actually predicted that we lose. Yep, on the podcast. I think it is your first on time. On the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that out of so, my system like I said, A&M, was it? Yeah, I think you did pick A&M um, to win. So, Okay. Yeah, like I mean, as as you can hear, Gator Nation, uh, I am probably I am well past the uh, Jim McElwain train and I'm off it. And your your mind's on the off season, hoping that something good happens. 
Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that we can start rocking mullets in Gainesville or, you know, saying the weather forecast is frosty out. You know, that was one of my favorite things when I was at school, you know, forecast for Saturday, rainy all day. Yep. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at uh, looking at that and looking at basketball season. Hey, you know, we got could be pretty 10, good at basketball. Top 10 basketball team. Let's, you know, got let's that go. new arena. <laughs> all right, so here's yeah. where I'm at. I see, I totally see your point of view. I, I see every reason why this sh- game should be a blowout. Mm-hmm. I do have a gut feeling that Florida's going to make it interesting. Why do I think that? One, I think when you've beaten a team three years in a row, mm-hmm. that plays in mentally. Yep. Um, I think the guys on that opposite sideline know that the senior class has never beaten Florida. And mm-hmm. you can start to develop a little brother syndrome mentally where you just maybe somewhere deep right. down in your soul start to think, we just can't beat these guys. Not because they're better than us. And t- not because we don't have the ability. Because at the first sign of trouble, the first tipped pass for an interception that Jake Fromm throws, the mm-hmm. first... Um, you know, mess up in special teams where where they give up a return the first time that Tyree Cleveland burns one of their guys in coverage and we hit a deep ball on him early. All the, yep. those wheels start turning in your brain. Here we go again, right? That's true. Yeah. Another yep. thing plays in mentally into this game. Florida's pretty much at the point where the pressure's off if you're a player, I think. You know, obviously, look, everybody puts pressure on themselves. Everybody's a competitor, but... The expectations mm-hmm. have hit the floor. Nobody really expects anything. You're yeah. coming off a bye week, right? <laughs> any any glimmer of hope that you yeah. had for, well, we can we can still really compete in the division and control our own destiny in the division mm-hmm. went away when you lost to Texas A&M. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I think that could be liberating for some of these younger guys who might be able to play a little looser, fly around a little more because. We're, we're expected to lose this game. We're not even expected to be competitive in this game. So there's a little right. bit of that involved. And then, you know, I just, three years in a row, Muschamp and McElwain, uh, you know, I know it's Kirby Smart's only been there for one of the games, but I think there's a little bit of juju about this game. I think that, you know, the, the one thing we've been able to credit this offensive staff for consistently is that when they're on their script, they seem to do okay, and the, it's their in-game adjustments that aren't mm-hmm. good. But the nice thing about a bye week is you would pray to God that it means you've got more scripted than you usually do because you had more time. So right. against a defense yeah. that um, McElwain should know well, um, with a full week mm-hmm. to prepare, my hope is that we're on script for a little bit longer and it might be enough to make us competitive for a long enough time in the game that those mental things start to come into play. Malik Davis busts one off for a touchdown. Tyree Cleveland makes a big catch, right? right? Somebody forces a turnover. All of a sudden, Georgia is not feeling like the number three team in the country. They're feeling like a team who's... You know, season could get spoiled real quick by the Gators who really don't have anything to lose. So, with all that right. in mind, I'm going to go 
28 to 24. Ooh. Who? Good guys. Oh, man. You know what? Gators are going to get a W. I've been having a string of L's personally lately, and I've been telling myself, you know, can't find a truck to buy, bad night of practice the other night, right? Yep. I feel like I'm due, and I'm hitching that wagon to the Gators. I think the Gators are going to shock the world, come in a little loose. World's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's going to be a good time. I've got a lot of fun stuff lined up for the weekend. I think they're going to cap it off for me with a W. There you go. 28-24, Gators, stamp it. That's that's the great thing about these games is anything can happen. And, you know, we've we do tend to just beat Georgia. <laughs> just something about ten, it. Something about 20 it. 20 of so. the last 27, I think is the stat. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's uh it's a lot. I remember a cheer from when I was in school. It was 1990, 1991, and you just list out all the years and you say fluke every year that Georgia won cuz you know, they they get one every five to six years yep <laughs> so so uh we're only if we're only three in you know we still we still got a couple more years of, of w's hopefully yep well with that hey if you're going to florida georgia i'll be there keenan's back on the left coast so uh yep. he'll be watching from afar but yep. whether you're beachside whether you're riverside whether you're lot j whether you're rv lot all right hope you have a blast enjoy the world's largest outdoor cocktail party it comes once a year there's nothing like it it is um, one of the best experiences. Right. It's it's about to be Friday. If you're if you're negative on the program, as a lot of people are, and rightfully so, leave that aside for the next seventy two hours. Yep. Have a Enjoy, good time. Yeah. Have a quick Friday at work. Maybe leave a little Easy. early, bug out at four, get yourself to yep. Jacksonville, meet up with all your buddies, have a great Friday night. Get up yep. and get to the tailgate early because you want to be there for every possible second. And then yeah, lots of good food to be had. Yeah. Good food, a, good booze. Let's lay yeah, it out good. there and see what happens. Let's go make it four in a row. Yeah, make. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy to get on the podcast next week and uh, eat a plate of crow. There you go. Um, so it, let's let's hope that happens. Yep. Hey, stranger things have happened, especially under McElwain. Let's get a little Magic yep. Mac back, all right? I spent a lot of time and effort and money uh, getting somebody <laughs> to make that illustration, only for it to really tank immediately thereafter. Need a little bit of that magic back. Mac needs to get some of that barbecue sauce in his system, something, right? Yeah, get a little. It's been depressing to watch lately. I need to watch him get a little slap happy. So, yeah, let's go out there, play fast. Let's run. Let's run a flea flicker. Let's run a couple end arounds. You know, let's do something. All right, a little reverse pass. Let's see that. Let's let's see that uh, Tony pass again to Cleveland. Do some of those. A little little bit of that bye week magic. I hope, but Mm -hmm. it'll be fun. Um, a lot more fun if the Gators win, so let's make it happen. Um, with that, we are the boys. As always, we say go Gators. Enjoy the go world's Gators. largest outdoor cocktail party. Don't get arrested. We'll talk to you next week.